Today on Blue 58, with Aaron Rodgers out of the picture and Jordan Love taking over, the Packers are going to need more help from their other skill position players to keep the offense moving. And first and foremost, that means the Packers running backs are going to have to carry a bigger load. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. Running backs. Packers have a couple good ones. And they're also in the midst of what could be a transition year for those guys as well. Overall, the position seems like it's in a pretty good shape. In fact, as we kind of alluded to in the opening there, if the Packers are going to count on any position on offense this year, to really help put them over the top, it's probably the running backs. And that shouldn't be that big of a surprise. You've got Aaron Jones, you've got A.J. Dillon. Those are your two most, I think to this point, well-established players on offense. Jones obviously has had a great career in Green Bay. He's a well-respected member of the locker room. He should be probably a team captain this year. He's everything you want from a a player who's going to make Jordan Love's life easier. He's going to be there giving everything he's got. He's a good player. He can contribute in a a variety of ways. It's a great sort of thing to have for your offense. A.J. Dillon, meanwhile, even if things have been a little bit underwhelming the past couple of years, he still can be a big contributor in this offense, and there's still a lot of good things he can do. And there's still a lot of potential to be tapped there as well. So overall, this is a position that has a lot of skill at the top, a lot of great ability at the top. Maybe they're not here long term. That is not a 2023 problem. We'll solve that problem in the spring of 2024 and beyond. Beyond Jones and Dylan, though, there isn't a lot of proven depth here. And if this was any position other than running back, that would probably be concerning. But if you've got two guys at the top like Jones and Dylan it's really not that big of a concern. So there's going to be a pretty big divide between your high expectation players here and everybody else. But that is okay at running back. They'll have to figure it out eventually. They'll have to add more talent to the position next offseason more than likely. That is not a problem for right now. So let's talk through what the Packers have at running back. We'll go low to high expectation-wise, just like we do every other position group. We talk about guys for whom we have no expectations, low expectations, moderate, and then high. Starting with our no expectations group, we have Emmanuel Wilson, a 2023 undrafted free agent already on his second NFL team, another big-bodied back. The Packers have shown a pronounced preference for those this offseason. Wilson and Lou Nichols, the other running back they added this offseason, are both comfortably above 220 pounds. Expectations-wise, he's in our no expectations camp fairly low athleticism guy, though he does move his mass pretty well. We talked about speed score when the Packers signed him before OTAs. He can he can get things going in a straight line pretty well, and at 220 plus pounds, that's not inconsiderable. But overall, his athletic profile doesn't paint him as an, like an overall great athlete, and just the depth chart is working against him. He's got guys that have been in the Packers system for a while, Obviously, the two very well-established guys ahead of him, it's going to be hard for him to make any sort of real noise this year. So meeting expectations really comes down to overperforming what we expect from him. Getting to the practice squad, I think, would do that. And he's got a fair shot at doing that. People get hurt at running back. 
being with the Packers this early in the in the system, in the in the process of developing this roster, gives him a leg up. I think on that he's got at least an inside track over, I guess the field over every other running back in the world at getting the Packers practice squad. But still, it's kind of a high bar. I don't think he's probably going to make it. I think the Packers will probably look to to shuffle some backups at at some point and maybe get another option at running back with a little bit more athletic upside. But that brings us to another backup running back with a little bit more upside as we jump right into our low expectations category. Tyler Goodson kicks us off here. Second year undrafted free agent, quite productive at Iowa, a good athlete, and he comes into this year having basically nibbled at the edges of the active roster in 2022, but never really made it all the way there. I think he was up for one game, but then ended up being a healthy scratch. It might have been week 18, in fact, even. In any case, he he was close, but never really made it all the way there and spent the entire 2022 season on the practice squad. He falls into the low expectations category because there's essentially one roster spot up for grabs between him Lou Nichols and Patrick Taylor. And it, I, it's not that I don't think he can make it, but the numbers game makes it hard for any one of those guys to make an impact. So maybe it's Goodson. Maybe it's just a one in three shot that it's Goodson. And between Nichols and Patrick Taylor, a draft pick and a guy who's been on the active roster before has a pretty defined role. Goodson looks to be coming into this year, the third of those three guys. So I think to meet expectations, this guy's got to at least make the practice squad. That's where things start for him. If he does make the practice squad, and I believe that he will, he should push for the 53-man roster at some point this year. And I, I like his long-term prospects in Green Bay because if you, look at the, if you look at the overall construction of the running back room, the only other guy who's like him at all is Aaron Jones. Everybody else tends to be this more big-bodied, straight line runner. Jones obviously is is Aaron Jones. Agility is his whole game, speed and agility. Nobody ever gets a straight shot on him. Goodson falls a lot more into the Aaron Jones spectrum of the running back position than obviously, say, A.J. Dillon or Lou Nichols or even Patrick Taylor. He's 197 pounds, so a little bit shorter than some of those guys. Speed, agility, quickness, movement, and space, that's his game. And the Packers like to have a little bit of diversity there in terms of skill sets. So he's an interesting prospect from that respect. So prediction-wise, I think he does stay in Green Bay this year. Practice squad or 53, doesn't matter. I also predict he is going to end up on the 53-man roster at some point. So if he starts the season on the practice squad, he'll be on the 53 at some point. He may just make it outright. That's not outside the realm of possibility either. That brings us to Lou Nichols, who is one of the two running backs the Packers have drafted in the fifth round or higher since Aaron Jones. Just one of two. A.J. Dillon and the other. In that same span, they've also drafted Dexter Williams and Kylan Hill in the sixth and seventh round, respectively. But in terms of fifth round or higher, since Aaron Jones, since that 2017 draft class where the Packers took three backs— Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Mays. There's a name that I bet you haven't heard in a while. Uh, Nichols is the only one to go in the fifth round or higher other than Dylan. He's another low expectations player. Not a slight at him, but again, much like with Goodson and Patrick Taylor, depth chart reasons are a big factor here. 
I'm also not sure how good he actually is. I think he's got some utility as a runner, maybe a little bit more as a receiver. But based on what I have read, what I've seen from some um, film crunchers out there, pass blocking is going to be a real concern for him just because he wasn't asked to do it a whole lot in college. And it's honestly a concern for every running back coming into the NFL. So pretty small use case for Lou Nichols as a third running back right out of the gate. If he doesn't contribute on special teams, if he's a a low-ceiling athlete, it looks like a guy who's going to be in a roster competition right out of the gate. So he's got to start out by making the 53-man roster this year. That's the baseline for him. Bar is higher for Lou Nichols than Tyler Goodson because he's a draft pick. That's That comes with the expectations. That comes with the territory. So I do think he's going to end up in Green Bay this year in some form. Perhaps not on the 53, though. I think if you're looking at guys who have an inside track to the 53, he he does have a bit of an inside track over Goodson or Taylor just because he is a draft pick. There is a case to be made for Taylor, though, who we transition to now as the third of the three guys in our low expectations tier. He's technically in his fourth year with the Packers. He signed with them after the 2020 draft, but he sat out essentially the entire 2020 season due to a college injury. He has now played in 16 games, 33 carries, 120 yards, and a touchdown over those 16 games. Also has three catches for 20 yards, but more importantly, he's played 167 snaps on special teams over the past two years, including 122 last year. That's about 34% of the snaps on special teams. Low expectations player. Nearly went to moderate, but his job is just not something where they're counting on him specifically. He does have a role, but his role can be filled by just about anyone. They just happen to have been turning to him. As nice of a story as he's been, you look at what Patrick Taylor has done in Green Bay, and the unfortunate reality is, as soon as the Packers find a slightly better option, he's out the door. The harsh reality of the NFL. There's really nothing he's done that differentiates him in a way that makes him a must-have for this roster. If the Packers find another 220-pound running back who can do some stuff on special teams and be a spot player when they need him on offense, Patrick Taylor is probably out the door. So Taylor meets expectations this year by making the 53. Practice squad's probably not good enough for him just to start out. He's got to bake the 53 at some point. And I'd say it's probably between him and Lou Nichols at this point with Goodson close behind. I think Taylor is going to be the Packers' initial third running back, though that doesn't carry a whole lot of weight. We know that the Packers roster is going to be going through some changes early this year, just as a couple potential situations, potential hypotheticals. They could have Eric Stokes and Rashawn Gary both start the season on the physically unable to perform list. That means that there's two roster spots that are essentially just six week spots on the 53. So whoever makes it either as a a low end running back, uh, maybe like a 10th offensive lineman, a sixth defensive lineman, an edge rusher, you get the idea. One of those body heavy positions, they're probably you know, on scholarship for a month and a half, and then when Sean Gary and Eric Stokes are off the physical and able to perform list, one of those guys is going to be going by the wayside. So there are going to be a few roster spots, I guess is my point, that are going to be open 
but not long-term. So there will be some movement at some points on the roster, whether that's at running back, whether that's wherever, we don't know yet, but there are going to be guys that make the roster that really don't make the roster, if you understand what I'm saying. And now we head up to the two big guns for the Packers at running back. Two players fall into the high expectations category. There are no real role players uh, at running back this year. It's all guys that are pretty interchangeable parts, and then your high-end talent. That starts with A.J. Dillon. Coming into his fourth year, I think it's fair to say this is put-up-or-shut-up time for A.J. Dillon. His career has been largely marketing to this point. Been a nice player at times. He's been fun to talk about Quadzilla and the Quadfather and see the feats of athleticism that Dylan can do. But he just not has not been consistently good enough for the attention that he's been getting. And I think he would even admit to that a little bit. We talked about, you know, what A.J. Dillon has to do better earlier this offseason. He was pretty candid speaking with at least one fan online about things that he can do better. And it's kind of some basic stuff, like not getting taken down by low tackles and stuff like that. Being more consistent, being a a reliable player, down in, down out. That's kind of not what you want to hear from a fourth-year, second-round pick. That guy should be well on his way to a very established role in Green Bay. He just hasn't quite gotten there. He did improve, I think, in 2022 over 2021 in some small ways. Had two more explosive plays in 22 than in 2021. Also regressed in some areas. He was less of a factor in the passing game. And again, that consistency was not quite there. He, though, falls comfortably into the high expectations camp. He's going to be a key player this year. That is uncontroversial. It doesn't need a lot of expectations. So how does he meet those expectations? As we talked about, there are some areas that he needs to improve on. He's got to be just consistently better overall. He needs to be better after the catch in the receiving game, and he just has to be more consistent as a receiver as well. He just has to improve in those few areas, be more consistent, be more reliable on a down-in, down-out, game-in, game-out basis, and he'll be well on his way to a much better 2023 season than he was in 2022. I still think he's going to end up being under, say, 850 receiving or rushing yards, receiving yards, certainly, 850 rushing yards. Boy, how fun would that be? 247-pound A.J. Dillon putting up 900 receiving yards this year just becomes a, like, insanely good pass-catching back or something like that. That'd be, that'd be hilarious to see. No, but under 850 rushing yards, that's just been his role. He's been right at about 800 yards both of the last two seasons. I do think he's going to continue to be a red zone weapon. Five or more rushing touchdowns seems like a fake, uh, fair prediction. And then I think he will decrease his drop total. Pro Football Focus had him for five. Whichever tracking service Pro Football Reference has or uses had him for seven last year. He should at least be able to be better than that. And if he doesn't improve in that area, well, the Packers start to be in a position where they say it's pretty easy to say we don't want you back for 2024 and beyond because you're just not improving in the areas where we need you to improve. As of right now, and this is not really a prediction for the 2023 season, I don't think I would re-sign A.J. Dillon. I don't think it's that hard of a call. I just think you can find what he does much more affordably then you'd have to shell out to keep him as 
probably your number one running back next year. And again, I, I don't want to assume that Aaron Jones is out the door. We've made that mistake before. Can't ever bet against Aaron Jones being around. But if Jones does leave and they're looking at a ready-made replacement, Dylan will be enticing, but it'll be fairly expensive to keep him around relative to what he's given you at this point in his career. And, you know, that could change in 2023. The previous three years would give us a pretty firm indication it's probably not going to change all that much. So finally, Aaron Jones. He comes into the 2023 season accomplishing, having accomplished, just about everything a running back can do in Green Bay. He comes in third in career rushing yards, fourth in career rushing touchdowns. With eight, he's going to pass Paul Horning to give you an idea of where, you know, what sort of territory he's in all time in Green Bay. 26 more catches gets him into the top 20 all-time in receptions. He's had at least 49 in each season since 2018. 50 catches would get him all the way up to 18th all-time. And just as an idea of who he's going to be passing, he's probably going to be passing Bubba Franks this year, which is a hilarious mental image. Tiny Aaron Jones ending up with more career catches than enormous Bubba Franks. Very different positions, very different use cases. Very different career lengths in Green Bay, but it's it's still funny to me to picture. So he is, again, comfortably in the high expectations camp, even more so than A.J. Dillon. He is going to be the engine for the Packers' offense. Theoretically, this should be the most Aaron Jones-focused season ever on offense, and he needs to be a leader both more both emotionally and statistically for the Packers' offense to succeed. He should be the Robin to Jordan Love's Batman. If Jordan Love is the de facto leader of the offense, and he is just because that's what happens when you're the quarterback, Aaron Jones is going to need to be the guy who's with him in every situation, who's backing him up, who's bailing him out, who's providing support that Love can't provide for himself. Jones is that kind of guy. He's that kind of guy character-wise. He should be the fixed point for the Packers offense, the guy they can count on in just about every situation. Predictions wise, I think he's going to break a thousand yards again. He's going to be a key part of the Packers offense. He's probably going to get more opportunities than before. And if he does break a thousand yards again, he's going to enter some rare statistical air for the Packers because he'll be just the fifth player in all of Packers history to have a thousand yards at age 29 or later, and listen to the other names that have done it. Tony Canadeo, Jim Taylor, Dorsey Levins, Amon Green. If you weren't convinced already, Aaron Jones is, you know, in the company of the great names in Packers history. He is one of the greatest running backs we've ever seen in Green Bay. Statistically, you know, accolade-wise, accomplishment-wise, he's done it all. And I think it can't be understated how impressive that is coming from a former fifth-round pick. I think there's a little bit of, you know, revisionist history, especially when it comes to how Mike McCarthy used him early in his career about how great he was right out of the gate. And he was great right out of the gate. But he wasn't this guy that was, like, expected to be a historically great player in Green Bay. He wasn't a guy that everybody thought from the second they drafted him, yes, this is a guy we're going to be building our offensive around for more than half a decade. 
That wasn't, that wasn't the case. And yet he has turned out to be one of the most decorated runners in Packers history. Jim Taylor, of those four guys, incidentally, has the most yards in that group at 1,169 at age 29 or more. That is a very achievable goal. It's right in line with where Aaron Jones has been sitting the last couple of years. He was down a little bit in 2021 just because of some injuries. But when he's played a full season, 1,100 yards is right about in the area where he has contributed. It wouldn't be impossible for him to have the best running season of any player at age 29 or more. Now, to be fair, he's got more games than anybody else has on that list with which to do it. But that, I mean, should make it more achievable. Does it diminish the quality of the achievement a little bit? Yeah, probably. But it still is impressive that, you know, he's at least got a chance to be one of the the rare late career high statistical performers in Packers history. And I'm interested to see how he kind of dovetails with, with A.J. Dillon this year. I also think he's going to be at or above 49 catches this year. I think the Packers are going to find some more creative ways to get him involved in the passing game. And I think just to, to round it out, I think he gets double-digit touchdowns again this year. It's been a pretty reliable bet for Aaron Jones the past couple of years. I think he does it again. So over 1,000 yards, over 50 catches, double-digit touchdowns again this year. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you listening in. I would appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. It's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.